So we come to our final official session on fruitfulness on the front line. I'm aware it's Mothering Sunday too. And uh, we've been taking the theme to reflect our heart, showing our Saviour. And the title that Mark Green gives to this morning was simply The Journey On which I thought, you know, was a little bit boring, I've got to be honest. So uh, we're going to look at this psalm together and bring our uh, thoughts to a conclusion as we think about the journey on more in this sense, how to thrive in being alive. Now just prod the person next to you, wake them up and tell them, you know, we're here to thrive in being alive. And there's a big difference between thriving in being alive and surviving. Okay, I want you to thrive as you survive this sermon, all right? So uh, the youngsters are going to come back very shortly and remind us of some of the blessings that are ours in Christ and he gives to us through mothers. But we all want to be blessed, don't we? We all want to be blessed. And we're all aware of when certain blessings arrive. I was uh, reading about three mothers who got together and were talking about when the blessing of their child first arrived in their life. And the first mother said, well, the blessing for me arrived the moment I knew I was pregnant with my child. And the other mother said, well, the blessing for me arrived the moment I gave birth to my child. And the last mother said, well, the blessing for me arrived... The very day that my child left home. (laughs) Well, uh, we may not all be mothers here this morning, but I think that some of us are a bit like that last mother, and life can sometimes be more like surviving than it does about thriving. And yet Psalm 1 was written in order that we might thrive that we won't be in the spiritual doldrums, waiting as it were on a wind that doesn't blow. We'll be people with sails set, ready to move in the flow and the flourish of God's Holy Spirit. You know, I can remember my headmaster at assembly after assembly after assembly after assembly, reminding us that the biggest room in all the world is what? The room for improvement. Doesn't that sound like a headmaster thing? (laughs) I can still hear him saying that. I don't know about you, but I think I'm constantly in need of being in that room to improve my performance as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a pastor, let alone as a good witness for Jesus on my own front line. So whether we're here this morning as a mother, a brother, a carer, a worker, a speaker, a teacher, or a whatever, the journey on with God, please God, is going to be more than just survival. It's going to be thriving with him because this psalm is the blueprint for blessing. And I hope that we want to move on and grow and mature in the Lord. Do you want that, mums? Do you want that, dads? Do you want to be a a great witness for Christ on your front line? Then says the psalmist, you've got to learn to live for the Lord. Blessed is the man. Underline that word. Blessed is the person who does. Now what he does is not the thing that I want to dwell on straight away. It's simply the fact that what he does, he does to know the true blessing of God in it. He, she, they want to be blessed. That's the goal. 
I mean, we'd take blessing over burden any day of the week, wouldn't we? Yes, Sean, we would, because we're that kind of people. I know you are. We take blessing over burden. That's the aim, to live in the fullness of all God wants for us. I love the fact that the word blessed here in the Hebrew is in the plural. And it refers to the intensity and the multiplicity of the blessings that await the person who's going to do what the psalmist here is going to instruct them to do. Because God, more than anybody else we know, wants to prosper us, wants to bless us, wants us to succeed. He wants us to thrive, not just survive. And I doubt there's not a mother here this morning that doesn't have the desire to see their child thrive. Isn't that right? To reach their full potential and be successful. Isn't that right, mums? Don't you want that for your children? Of course you do. But I want to tell you something as a parent myself, that my greatest concern, my biggest fear, if I can put it like that, in regard to my own son and daughter, and certainly my own five grandchildren, as they grow up, was not that they would not succeed but that they would actually succeed in the things that really don't matter. That's my concern. As Jesus said, do you remember on one occasion, what does it profit a man? What does it profit a woman? If they gain the whole wide world and in the process forfeit their soul. What have they gained? Nothing, but they've lost everything. That's why the psalmist here says that it's God's goal to bless us. And I hope that it's equally our goal to want to live for God in the light of that blessing. The old proverb reminds us when the pilot does not know what port he is heading for, no wind is the right wind. If we don't know where we're going and who we're going for and why we're going there, whatever front line we're on, we're never going to grab the opportunity for fruitfulness that God wants to bless us with we got that kind of intention well if we have we're going to pray for direction going to explore the need for prayer more next week but you know when you come to live for the Lord when you want to know the fullness of his blessing in your life you've got to pray for his direction isn't that true you're going to set out on the path that you've chosen you want to get it right with God you want to be a good mother pray for direction when did you last pray for direction in regard to the way that your children were growing up. Do you want to be a good friend? Pray for direction. You want to be a good witness? Pray for direction. There's times when God would say, don't say anything now. Because to say something now would actually not be the best approach to take. We live for the Lord, we need to pray for direction. I love the way that the message translation of the Bible puts Proverbs 3. You'll know the verse very well, but I think this is lovely. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. I like that. I want to stay on track as God's child, don't you? Want to be in the full measure of his blessing. You want to stay on track as a mother, as a father then you look to the Lord to do so. Some people might ask, well, Sean, can a person live by faith and still set goals? Well, I believe you can. As long as the goals that we set are under the direction of the Lord that we're praying to. 
And I've discovered in my own life, and I don't know if this is helpful to you or not, but I've discovered that as I pray for direction and try and set my goals, here are four questions that I ask as I seek God's will to take me forward. Will it get me to where I want to go? Position for God's blessing to the place of greater intimacy with him. That's what I ask myself. I ask myself, will it help make somebody else successful? Is it going to build them up or blow them down? I ask, do I have to violate a spiritual principle to get there? Because if I do, God's not directing me. And I ask myself, will it fulfill God's purpose for my life? His ultimate purpose for my life. And if it doesn't, then he's not directing me. And as well as praying for direction, we need to prepare for action. Do we not? I thought about this and I put it like this. And I hope it helps you to see it. It's the goal that sets the plan. It's the goal that sets the plan. Then it's the plan that sets the action. It is the action that achieves the result, and it's the result that brings the blessing. So we need to prepare for action. We need to be a people that set goals in our lives under God's direction, prepared to act on what it is God is asking us to do, where it is God is asking us to go, and what it is the Lord may be asking us to say. Moses had the goal of getting the people of Israel out of Egypt. Joshua had the goal of getting the people of God into Canaan. David had the goal of building God's temple. Jesus had the goal, and he set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem to achieve it, of dying on the cross and rising from the dead to bring us salvation. Paul had the goal of winning the prize. This one thing I knew, I do, he said. He wrote it down, and he worked it through. Do you want to live for the Lord? Do you want to know the full measure of the blessing? Do you want to thrive rather than survive in being alive? Then prepare for action and also plan for opposition. And this ties in very much with Psalm 1 because it's leading us to the truth. And it's worth underlining, if I put the next one on, It's worth underlining that living for the Lord is never going to be without its dream killers and its blessing stealers. You know what I'm talking about? Those dream killers that are often found in our foes and those blessing stealers that are often found in our failures. Do these names ring any bell with you? Let me read this list of names. Shamua, Shaphat, Ilgal, Porti, Gadel, Gadi, Amael, Sether, Nabi, Giel. Do you know those names? Do they ring any bells? They don't exactly roll off the tongue, do they? (laughs) They're not Smith and Jones. They are the first names of the ten spies that Moses sent out along with Joshua and Caleb to spy out the land. Do you remember them? and came back with Joshua and Caleb and whereas they saw the land of opportunity whereas they saw a fruitfulness on the front line that they wanted all the people to imagine these ten couldn't see it they looked at what God was giving them through not contact lenses but contract lenses they minimized God and they maximized the giants 
When they looked through their contract lenses, they saw God as being too weak. They saw themselves as being too small. The task was being too difficult and the giants were too big. And you'll always find people in your life that want to stop you thriving with God if you let them steal the dream that God's put in your heart and rob you of that longing of wanting to thrive in his purpose for you. There's always going to be somebody there to knock you down and say it can't be done. It's impossible. You can't be a good mum and work at the same time. You can't serve God and give time to your family. And yet that may well be the most important way that we serve God. You can't possibly tithe and still have enough to live on. Don't let people rob you of your dream. Somebody rightly said, A blind man's world is bounded by the limits of his touch. An ignorant man's world is bounded by the limits of his knowledge. But a great man's world is bounded only by the limits of his vision. I like that. Do you want to live for God? Do you want to thrive while you're alive? And it's not a matter of age, it's a matter of action. Caleb said at 85, I want to take the mountain for you, God. At 85, my mum needs a stairlift to get up to the first floor of the house. We need to be a people of vision and heart who want to live for the Lord because we are a people that are going to go on and look to the Lord. And here it is, as the psalmist moves it on, if you're going to live for the Lord, praying for his direction, prepared for action, planning for opposition, then you don't listen to the counsel of the wicked. You don't listen to them, you look to the Lord. And he'll come through for you. Here's the antidote to all that would oppose us and rob us of the blessing of wanting to be alive, to thrive. Instead of listening to them, look to the Lord. I like Mark Green's take on this in his book. He says, how do you do that? How do you live the challenge of living for God on your front lines? He says, by integrating the front line into the basic disciplines of the Christian life. You're praying, you're fellowshipping, you're Bible Reading. That's how you look to the Lord. Through your praying, your fellowshipping, your Bible reading. That's how you begin to thrive. And you just live out simply and honestly and openly with all the pressures that you're going through on your front line. The very life of Christ that is yours to enjoy in you. Don't look to the wicked. Don't look to the skeptic. In the authorised version, the word ungodly is used here. Don't look to the ungodly. You know that prefix un- You know what it means, don't you? If something is un, it means not. If you're ungrateful, you are not thankful. If you're unhelpful, you're not helpful. If you're unafraid, you're not afraid. Likewise, if you're ungodly, you're not godly. Now, very few people that I meet are anti-godly. He's talking about those that are ungodly. It's not that they hate God. It's just that the realistic kind of evidence in their life is they haven't got any time for God. They're ungodly. They're not looking for God. They're not preparing with him for the direction their life ought to be taking. And then there's the unholy, the way of sinners we mustn't stand in. This is the person who not only lives as if there is no God, they know that they live that way, and it doesn't bother them at all. So you've got the ungodly 
You've got the unholy, and there's also the mockers that we shouldn't listen to here. They're the unruly. The word for mockers here stands for a dog's snarl. (laughs) You've had a dog snarl at you. You know, when you go into somebody's house and say, it's all right, he won't bite. He won't bite. Promise you he won't bite. And then he (sighs) Well, he's looking for a good kiss, isn't he? If he's not going to bite. You know, it's that kind of dog snarl. It literally means in the Hebrew to make a face at. And here's the person that we're not to listen to who not only sins, but he couldn't care less about it, but actually goes a step further. He laughs in the face of God with his sin for what he's done. Mockery. That's why the writer of the Proverbs says, fools mock at sin. Because sin is the greatest detective in the whole world. Never mind Sherlock Holmes. Never mind Lewis or Morse. Sin is the greatest detective in the whole world because the Bible says you may be sure your sin will find you out. And I promise you with God, he always has the last laugh. And sadly... For some, it may wipe the smile off our face. Now, it's in relation to these three kinds of people, the ungodly, the unholy, the unruly, that we are given the specific command to look away from and not to listen to, not to take our counsel from, because we are to hear what God is saying to us. So there are people that we need to turn a deaf ear to in order to get tuned in to God. Now, it's not in turning a deaf ear to them, we turn our back on them. We don't turn our back on anybody. We're here to express fully the love of Christ. To present his truth and his hope and his joy. We don't turn our back on anybody. But if we're going to thrive while we're being alive, there are some people that we need to turn a deaf ear to. Because what they're trying to teach us does not come from God's word. And by the way, wickedness doesn't always come dressed up, does it? In murder and lies... Wickedness can be dressed up in a tailor-made suit. Wickedness can be presented from a pulpit in the front of a church. Because if it's not coming from the source that is God, it's not going to help us to thrive. And when we start to walk in the counsel of the wicked, pretty soon we'll be standing in the way of sinners... If I can put it like this, you begin to believe the skeptic and soon you'll start behaving like the sinner. Action always follows advice. What you get into your head will eventually get into your heart. What's in your mind will control your manners. It's why the Bible says, as a person thinks in his heart or their heart, so they are. Who are we listening to? Worldly wisdom? Are we listening to the Lord? I went, uh, some of you will know, I, I shared it on, uh, on Thursday at the Mingle, but I went to my granddaughter's school this last week and had to sit through a session whereby as parents and grandparents and carers, we were being helped to show our children how best to read a book empathetically, to put yourselves in somebody else's shoes. Are you familiar with that? And my daughter, my granddaughter ran off and she came back with a book that was entitled The Fly. She came back because it had the least amount of words in it, I think. But uh, there you go. We read it together. And this is what it is, okay? It's not long. From his perch on a light fixture in the kitchen, 
a fly spotted a nice piece of sticky fly paper. He began to fly back and forth, smelling its sweet scent. Then he began to want it. Finally, he swooped down and landed in the middle of it with all six feet and exclaimed, My flypaper! Almost instantaneously, the flypaper replied, My fly! <laughs> now, see if you can put yourself in the place of that fly because I don't want you to get stuck on the flypaper of the wisdom or the ways or the wanderings of the ungodly, the unholy, and the unruly. To think that for one minute you're in control of them when ultimately what they're sharing begins to get in control of you. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked and stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers or sit in the seat of the scornful. To put it very simply, can I just spell it out like this? The best way to deal with sin? Stay away from it. The best way to deal with drugs? Don't take them. The best way to deal with pornography? Don't look at it. The best way to deal with profanity? Don't use it. The psalmist goes on later to say in Psalm 97, let those who love the Lord hate evil. You want to live for the Lord? Then you need to look for the Lord and you need to learn from the Lord too. And here's the other thing. Delight in the law of the Lord. Herein is where the blessing lies. Find your delight in who God is and find your delight in what God says. Love him, read his word and obey it. I love what David says of God's word in Psalm 119. Again, it's the message, but I love it. Truth from your mouth means more to me than striking it rich in a gold mine. Is that God's word to me? Lord, your word, what you say, the means by which I can thrive in being alive means more to me than the gold in a gold mine, the money in the bank, the house with the three acres, the second car in the garage. Have we got that kind of desire? Do you know I have a problem that I sometimes think we delight too much in the preacher of God's word. Obviously not here, but some places. We, we can delight too much in the preacher of God's word rather than in God's word that the preacher preaches. Now please hear me at this point because you mustn't settle for second-hand blessing. I want you to thrive in being alive and I know that it comes from the heart of God's word. But read it for yourself. Study it for yourself. The writer of this psalm says, go on and meditate on it. The word there in the Hebrew brings a sense of humming to mind. Have you ever listened to a television program that was interrupted by a commercial and had one of those annoying tunes on it that then you couldn't get it out of your head? And all day you think, where did that tune come from? And you hear it and you hear it and you keep singing it and it got in there. You didn't realise it got in there. Well, in the positive sense, when you read God's word and you meditate upon it, you know, you can hear the hum of God's voice. You can hear the tune of his favour. You can receive the blessing that he wants to touch your life to all the fullness of his with. That's what we're talking about. 
That's the direction in which we're going. Did God give Joshua a battle plan to get into the the, the land of Canaan? No. God didn't give him a battle plan. He simply told him in Joshua 1.8, meditate on my word and turn from it not to the right or to the left. If you're losing direction in your life, if you're losing joy in your life, if you're losing favor in the situations on your front line that you'd love to actually be returned to, could it possibly be that you've lost the hum of God's word in your heart and in your mind? Learn it personally. Look to the Lord and learn from him. And then as we come to the close, here's the thought as the young folks come back in. When you can do that, Live for the Lord, look to the Lord, learn from the Lord. I promise you the blessing is one that never finishes. You can last in the Lord. And it's good to last, isn't it? Except when you're a preacher, obviously. But you know what I'm talking about? I mean, at the moment, all the excitement in the premiership is about little Leicester City. Would it be, could it be, will it be possible that they can last the distance and actually win the championship? Well, we'll have to wait and see. The moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there's no doubt at all, you're going to be somebody who comes into the full measure of the blessing of the life he wants you to enjoy, and it's going to last. Because his life is fullness, not just here and now, but there and then forever. Amen? Why? Why? Well, what does the psalm say? You can read it for yourself right the way to the very end because you're going to be like a tree which yields its fruit whose leaf does not wither. Hey, you look in that mirror in the bathroom in the morning. Well, I do. I'm only speaking to myself here. Boy, does that leaf wither. (laughs) It, it It often withers sometimes more than others. I think, my goodness, Sean. You're growing into your dad. Where did that come from? The leaf is withering, you know, but with the Lord. If you live for him, you look to him, you learn from him, you're going to last in him. You're going to stay fresh. You're going to yield fruit. Isn't that what you want right to the very end? There's nothing better than being fresh, is there? I don't think there's anything better than being fresh and the Lord makes it possible because he plants us by streams of water and there we can stand firm Jesus said every plant which my heavenly father did not plant shall be uprooted but then later he says you did not choose me I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit 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 that will last fruit that will bless fruit that will allow you to prosper and be a blessing to others. Kids are going to come back in. I don't know if I told you this as I close, but, you know, at Bramshaw Golf Club, where I play on a Monday, on the third hole, there's a great big oak tree that came down a couple of years back now. Huge great tree. You think, how on earth? How on earth did that tree come down? Because once it come down, it was realised that it was diseased from the inside. On the outside, it looked, it looked sturdy. It looked strong. It looked completely altogether... And as a golfer looking at it, you thought, oh, that's going to be there a lot longer than I am. And yet one night it comes down. And then it's discovered that it's diseased on the inside, so basically all that it was was a shell. And how many folks do you know that on the outside they look as though they're thriving? They look as though they've got it all together. 
They look as though they're the very epitome of what it means to prosper and be fruitful and to be a success. But all that has come from a wisdom that is not of God's. They've listened to a counsel that is not of him but of the world. And ultimately there will come that moment when they'll be knocked down because they're diseased from the inside. And if you read the rest of the psalm, they're like the chaff. It just gets, just gets blown, blown away. I don't want anybody to be in that place this morning. I want you to know God's blessing. I think you want to know it too, don't you? Because when you know God's blessing, so much flows from it. That's what the kids are going to come back in and teach us in a couple of minutes. But let's stand as we close our service here before they come back in with with a couple of little songs that give us the opportunity for God to plant this truth in us afresh this morning. That desire, that goal, that ambition to live for him, look to him, learn from him, so that we can last in him. No one but you, Lord, can satisfy the longing in my heart. You see how personal it is. It's got to be real. If you're trying to thrive by being alive, just by coming to hear me, you might as well be somebody that goes to a restaurant and tries to satisfy your hunger by looking at somebody else eat. It's not going to happen. No one but you, Lord, can satisfy the longing in my heart, and nothing that I do can take the place of drawing near to you. Let's stand and sing.